I always look forward to getting a chance to talking with Tony Greer. He founded TG Macro, I think it was August of 2016. You know, he created this independent research firm that's done very, very well. Because why? Well, he had 25 years in trading, major trading houses, and then 15 years of writing a daily newsletter. And he gets to put it into TG Macro, which you can find in the Morning Navigator. I'll give some details of that coming up. But what I find fascinating, and of course, has led Tony to a terrific track record, he looks at the fundamentals of the situation, the technicals, uh, behavioral analysis, all of that kind of stuff to come up with the information, the recommendations, the explanations for his institutional clients, as well as personal uh, people who personally subscribe. Tony, thanks for taking the time with us. Man, what a beautiful introduction, Mike. Can I hire you to do that for me every time <laughs> I get introduced somewhere? That was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. You're a gentleman, and I love coming on your show and talking with you. Well, I'll tell you, this whole thing that I, I just want to emphasize, because the background in trading itself, along with the analytical framework and the macro framework that you use, I think it's absolutely essential. I'm, I'm not want to be overcritical of other people, but I just find sometimes it's really lacking in their analysis because they don't have any trading background. You know, I, and mm -hmm. I sit there and I sort of mumble to myself, well, you wouldn't be saying that if you'd had a few trades under your belt. Well, you've had more than a thousands of trades under your belt. So that's why I think it's so important. And we're getting great examples now where you get a narrative. And the narrative is, of course, we're into lower interest rates. You know, the market's sort of reflecting a thousand. In, no, I'm just going to, you know, six interest rate cuts. The Fed isn't saying that. It was already an about face. And one of the things I want to know from a trader also, though, or somebody who knows the markets, has the market already anticipated all that stuff? I mean, that's sort of been the conversation, you know, pick a time, nearly coming on two months now, and I think really entrenched over the last, say, five, six weeks. So I'm just wondering, okay, is that motivator, is that fuel for the, uh, for the stock market over or the fuel for the bond market over? Yeah, you know, that's a great question, Mike. Um, it's the question everyone that's trading the S&P is asking. And I think the way that I look at it is, it's, you know, you got to decide what your frame of reference on the market pivoting to, you know, from rate hikes to rate cuts is, right? And, you know, just because we may be over predicting six rate, you know, I agree with that it sounds like a ridiculous amount of rate cuts next year. Um, but that's what the market is, you know, currently trying to predict and price in. So, yeah, that's that's out there. But what's more important for me is that we just recently and very kind of abruptly, I would say, went from, you know, an extremely quick tightening period where, you know, there was a huge magnitude move in Fed funds from, you know, zero to 525 basis points. Um, and most importantly, we just went through a year where the S&P, you know, had a lot, a lot of turbulence, right? And a lot of, you know, a lot of struggles in, in certain times. And that was due to the inflation risk, right? The market was unable to break free last year because the high inflation risk was still there. Yeah. Right. And then we got to November 14th of 2023 when we got the October CPI number. And that number was, I don't know, the expectation was for 0.3, it was 0.2 or whatever it was. It was, you know, a tick within a tick of inline. And it was one of the most explosive macro days that I've seen in my career, right? So what? why was it so explosive? It was because we got a benign CPI number, 
right? In line and the market moved like that. And like the rookies are like, what the hell just happened? You know, and the veterans are saying the bond market just decided something. Mm. It's, it's, it's not about the magnitude. It's not about whether that was a big miss, a big hit, a big whatever. There was a decision that the market made that day. So what did we see that day? We saw two sigma moves all over the tape, right? There was a two sigma dump in the dollar. There was a two sigma rally in treasuries. So rates tanked, right? Which is what tanked the dollar. And in the equity market, there were 17 sectors that had two sigma breakouts, including the S&P, which ripped through moving average resistance and closed on its highs, right? So if you've been watching the tape for many years, that day literally knocked you out of your chair, Yeah. right? The, the market response. And so that that's like getting around to my point is where that was the beginning of the market saying, okay, bond market dislocations, not an issue. Inflation, not coming back. And remember in the backdrop now, we just had oil prices tank from 95 to 70. We just had natural gas collapse again right from the highs. Uh, we just had base metals roll over and all of these deflationary things happen. So now the bond market's looking forward and saying, oh, I see the commodity tape going down. Now forget the, the, the risk of an inflation bomb, right? So now the bond market goes back to kind of normal marching orders. It can rally a little bit, not expecting so much inflation. Stock market loves it. Yeah. What is this? What does the stock market see? The high in rates is in the rear view mirror, baby. And that's it. That's all it needs to see. The high in rates is in the rear view mirror. And going forward, six rate cuts, forget that. Like the reality is probably that we're going to have these inflation spouts that I call them, where they're going to be little minor controllable surprises on the upside in some inflation data, because we've still got politically structural inflation, right? <laughs> more, more or less. So that's the layout that I'm looking at. And... You know, I mean, I'm extremely bullish stocks. I wrote on that day um, after that after that close, I said, stop what you're doing. The market has spoken, yep. drop everything and buy stocks. So that was the middle of November. And now we're making a new high for the move. So I'm really, really happy and gaining a little bit of confidence that, you know, that that we may have it right for now, that this waterfall is not coming and we're kind of just off to the races and the recession bros are going to be really, really upset about it. Well, a couple of things there that I just want people to note what a professional does. And they do, they look at the market. The market told you that, you know, you said, here's the scenario. Look at my measures. Oh, okay. Green light. I meant you were looking for certain things. What was the market reaction within that? And I would assume, cause I'm still watching the bond market make progress, you know, that rates are falling, as you just said, sorry, put it that way is better. So ergo, it's not all priced in yet because that would be my next worry that, okay, am I late to the party? If you're getting those questions, I'm getting those questions. I sort of get it, but am I late to the party? And I go, well, I'd look at just a couple of indicators and it's so clear that's how you approach that you have a series of indicators that will give you the answer to that. Mike, let me ask you this. Are you late to the party? Let's see. It's January 19th, right? <laughs> so we've got, we're almost through one month of 12 months the S&P is basically up a couple of basis points. You know, um, the NASDAQ is up two and a half percent on the year. I don't know. Where could the NASDAQ go if rates fall for the majority of the year and are steady for the minority of the year? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Starting from a starting point of this is January and they're up 2%. I don't know. Could the NASDAQ go up 30% this year? Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, especially with um, what I don't know. I haven't seen the latest number. It was $8 trillion, $9 trillion, you know, who've been sitting on the, uh, you know, and doing well in the money market funds or, or some of those bonds. You know, you watch that shift. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always simplistic that way. You know, I always follow the money. Where's it going to go? So obviously, as, I, as you say, it's almost like a bell got rung and more and more people are hearing it, you know, that, that money's moving out of that side. And there's, uh, there's a lot of fuel left to go if it wants to go. Oh, I love that you draw a circle around that, you know, $8 trillion gorilla in the yeah. room, right? Because it's a big number. And I'm not sure. Is that the right number? What is it? How, how much money is there? What was it? Was that the right number? I thought it was 8.6, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it T or B? I forget. I mean, no, I no. It's, it's trillion. It's it trillion. is trillion, right. Yeah. So I, I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, that's important because, as you said, like, you know, NVIDIA is up 15% this year already, right? NASDAQ's up 2.5%. There are some sectors that are cooking like uranium and cannabis and things like that up 15 to 20%. You know, now you get to the end of the first quarter and you take a look at where all your money is planted and you're like, oh, cool. I still got these two-year notes from last year You know, at 5%. That deal is gone, right? Because the rates are lower. Okay. What do I want to do with that money now, now that all of this stuff in the markets is up huge, right? Yeah. And there's still three quarters left to play in the year. It's like, Okay, let's get some money out of the freaking market and put it, you know, let's get in the NASDAQ. Let's buy some NVIDIA. And that's, we haven't even seen that yet. No, I think that's a terrific point because we forget that there's money maturing. And now what they're maturing into isn't near as attractive. Plus, though, it's against a backdrop of a positive uh, stock market move and, and, and some other things, but positive stock market. I mean, that's enticing alone for people. So I, let me, let me I, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm all over the map a little bit here. Uh, go ahead. One, yeah, I just have one more point that I wanted to add there, Mike, because there's a part of the psychology that's really important to me, um, and it fits right with the timing that we're talking about now. So sorry to interrupt, but what's important to me about the psychology is where the market is flat on the year, you know, up a couple percent maybe. The stock market was underwater for the majority of last year, and with the record-breaking pace that the Russell went from the low to the high and the record-breaking pace that the uh, equal weight S&P went from the low to the high, that's when everybody got their money back last year, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so now they're coming into the beginning of the year and they're sitting up, their chair in, up in their chairs rubbing their hands together and saying, okay, baby, we're playing ball again in the stock market, right? We got last year's divot back. We're cruising into this year with momentum. Let's take some of this money out of the 5% two-year notes and, and, and join the rest of our market in the stock market, our portfolio in the stock market. So that's, that's the thing that I see coming at some point down the road. So sorry to interrupt you. No, there. not at all. I mean, and I know with the, uh, the Morning Navigator, which I still can't believe you do it every morning, but <laughs> the Morning Navigator, right. you've been sort of chronicling. And, you, and right from the get-go, though, as they say, the day that you, know, you had this shift in mid-November, you, know, you didn't wait. You said you know, stock time. But the other thing you said is I'm watching the two-year note to see how it's reacting. It will be one of, one of my indicators, uh, you know, to say, has that move in the interest rate sort of been completely um, processed through in the markets? And as you said, and if you've been saying, no, it hasn't yet. Just look, I don't have to have an opinion. Just look at the damn market. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that, you know, when I see 17 sectors have a two sigma breakout in one day, when on any given day, there's maybe 
maybe a couple of stocks that have a two sigma mm-hmm. move and maybe one or two sectors. And that day there, so, you know, that, that to me is how I do the math and say, okay, got the message you're sending to the markets. So now, you know, the, the careful um, part is you, so you're correct in that, you know, we may be in for some bond market volatility where rates can, you know, retrace higher on the charts and still be in this downtrend that we're expecting mm-hmm. them to be in and the stock market is expecting them to be in. So that's where you get into um, the situation where you've got to expect the, the, the stock move to be nonlinear. Yeah. Right. It's going to be another year of, you know, don't overstay your welcome in any sector because it's going to make you pay. Right. And yes, you can trade those breakouts, but don't think that they're going to go on forever through the end of the year and next year, et cetera. They're going to have a, po- a point where everybody piles in and that's going to be the end of that trade. Right. And so it's going to be very, you know, you're going to have to be picky and choosy about the trades that you're in. And you're going to have to be careful about your timing if you want to be, you know, really long this S&P because there will be waterfalls along the way. Right. The market will get scared from bad, super bad economic data. The curve will steepen sharply. The VIX will respond and the S&P will get tagged for three or four days in a row. The, the other thing I sort of noticed within the market, though, that and again, this is just, you know, you, 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 my, I've been around a long. I've made enough mistakes to, to know something now. But, uh, you know, is that I don't hear the reason I don't think it's sort of that frothy top is I'm not hearing a lot of talk about it. You know, I'm not hearing people, and you can appreciate, you know, having somewhat notoriety, people would come up to me. And there will be that time, and that will be one of my indicators, you know. When 100%. <laughs> and I haven't, I'm just interested, I just haven't seen that, you know, from a psychological point of view. You know, I, I, um, I have respect for the people on FinTwit that put up the analogies to the dot-com bubble and to the great financial crisis, because... Fed funds were falling while yeah. the stock market was tumbling out of the dot-com bubble and while the stock market was tumbling out of the great financial crisis. There's two things to, to, to think about there, right? Because it really made me scratch my head. You know, I'm saying the stock market's way higher and we are about to lower rates. So is this another scenario? So the difference to me is two things. There was, there's no bubble, like you said right now, like there was during the dot-com bubble when you walked into a bar and if you listened yeah. to every conversation around you, you heard ticker symbols, yeah. right? Every conversation, somebody was bobbing out there, whatever name they were getting rich on. And so we are not anything like that. We do have the beginning of an AI and crypto craze. So I think that's kind of an early stage um, type of a tailwind. Then there's the idea that interest rates were going down in response to what macro markets were doing, right? There were tremors in the macro markets and they were collapsing. So the Fed was saying, okay, hey, we're going to lower interest rates. We've got a mega problem on our hands. And remember, they're forward looking. They know what the problem is, right? So in those, both of those scenarios, it was the Fed saying, okay, we'll adjust to this bubble breaking and we'll adjust to this mortgage disaster that we created, right? By lowering rates. There's no mortgage leverage out there. There's there's no people with five spec homes with zero down, right? That that's, that that happened in 2006 and seven. That's why we had 2008, right? The banks, J.P. Morgan's trading at its highs. It looks like it's about to go to the moon. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't. I don't think that would be happening if there was all this huge, you know, tremors of you know, uh, lending risk on their sheets. So 
you know, that's why I think this time is different. And I, my analogy for this is 94, 95, where in 94, we raised rates to sort of slow down a hot economy and deal with some inflation. Stock market was down a percent and a half. Rates peaked in 94 and they were sideways to lower for five years. Not much lower, just sideways to lower for five years. And the stock market was up double digits for five years in a row, right? Right into the dot-com bubble. But to me, this feels more like that than it does Mm -hmm. at the peaks of 07 and and double zero, something like that. So that's my look on that. Uh, At the risk of wading into uh, where it's a nightmare is politics. But of course, the Iowa caucuses, it's a presidential year. But I'm also looking at, you know, Donald Trump would be the presumptive favorite right now. Uh, And of course, the last time he was elected, it ushered in a pretty darn strong move in stocks, despite what the media was saying. If you remember, there was such a huge, we were all told if he got elected, all hell would break loose. And it did to the upside. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly, Mike. That was a that was an amazing event to trade through because I was it was getting telegraphed that he was going to win. The stock market was tumbling, mm-hmm. right? And you we we were saying like you know I'm, uh, during the going into that, I'm talking with my friends and people in the market were like, "Do you know how bullish this is for the stock market if Donald freaking Trump gets elected like this lunatic? Right? This is going to be berserk." So anyway, knowing that in mind. And the market's going off like coming off like a prom dress while, you know, it's being telegraphed that he's winning. And you're looking at it and you're like, dude, this is like George Soros or like, you know, all these like hardcore liberal fund managers, like putting shorts on thinking that's the end of the republic. And so we got people to buy into it. That's an early call. One of the first calls that I ever made for TG Macro was this dip is buy. And um, so now looking forward, I mean, the Chinese stock market collapsed. Right. And in, 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 into the Iowa caucus and, and it's still going. Right. So there's to me a telegraph of a potential, you know, Trump win. The market's breaking out to new highs here, not coincidentally, in the week of the Iowa caucus where, you know, mm-hmm. he buried every county there. And think of how about that, how bullish that could be for the stock market if he sort of repairs the U.S. economy from this point. You know, he's got a lot to deal with. Who knows if he actually wins and who knows if he carries out his promises, you know, trying not to be too political here and how he does it. But the market perception is going to be extremely bullish because, like, you know, he just got the nod from Jamie Dimon, who said, you know, in Davos, like, yeah, you know, the market was did pretty good. You know, gas prices were cheap. There was no inflation, et cetera, et cetera. So that endorsement is, uh, I think, something that's kind of ringing through the markets. It really is. So. That's how I look at that potential and why I want to stay long into more visibility of the 2024 election, if that's fair. Uh, I don't want to let you go without, uh, and, and I want to tell people, uh, Tony was going to be with us at the World Outlook Conference, but uh, a more important, and I know it was more important, family obligation uh, has to be met, and that's why he's so kind to give us the time. But we're also going to have a visit after, only for exclusively for the people who attend to get an update, as you, as you just said. Look at the volatility in these markets, uh, you know, in, out, all about. You've got to have your wits about you. So I'm looking forward to that too. But I don't want to let you go without talking gold for a second. Or, or maybe I'll come back to what you said right at the outset in your theme is you're looking for a weak, a stronger stock, weaker dollar, right? You, weaker U.S. dollar. Where does that st- uh, fit for gold for you? Okay. So just to backtrack one step, you know, my idea is, ooh, sorry, my idea is that rates are going to back off. We saw last year, we saw rising rates and a rallying dollar. I kind of think that that can kind of 
logically come undone, right? The dollar mm -hmm. index can fall, go back to where it came from. I feel like gold is set up to have a good year. You know, we punched through those, uh, that all time, that high of 2080, right? That flat top that we had traded up to 2135. And the low since then has been all the way back down to 2000, right? And gold could have been written off for dead down there. And it's still trying to street fight really well, in my opinion, in terms of mm -hmm. price action. So I think the breakout could have done better, right? Unfortunately, we put in three lower highs since we put in the 2135 peak. And, you know, you never want to see a market blatantly reject all time highs, right? Because then that's due for a tumble. And, you know, if I'm bullish and there's a lot of other bulls out there, then there's probably room for gold to back off if it gets black eyed like that, which you always mm -hmm. say when it tries to stick its, eye, stick its chest out into a new range and the market comes and says, no, it's not time to go yet. Right. So we'll see what happens this year. But I think gold is set up to have a good year with the rate pivot, interest rates going lower, right? It really struggled while rates were rallying. Now with rates going lower, it, to me, I think uh, gold and Bitcoin are set up to perform pretty well this year and uh, probably not outpace each other, but kind of rally somehow in tandem. Um, and which seems to be the way they kind of looks like what they want to do to me so far this year. And that's just kind of an early um, tape readers impression that I'm getting, if that's fair. Well, it's always, uh, you know, a bit unfair of the question in that you clearly are looking at the market, you have your indicators and you will respond to those indicators. And I'm asking questions that we can't anticipate what those market moves. So I want to always make sure people, why do you think he does it daily for goodness sakes? <laughs> you yeah. know, there's that much activity there. Uh, yeah. So I still look, when I see that scenario, and let's say gold doesn't have the strength right now, but dip, ba uh, backs off, you see, for someone like me, more, more an investor, I see that as an opportunity. I mean, uh, I haven't give, been given an indication that that's the end of any gold move. It just isn't right now, as you said. So I have a tendency just personally to sort of buy those dips. I think that that's how the market will probably be looking at it as well. You know, we've seen and we've seen and heard a lot over the last year about central bank buying, yeah. right? Which makes all the sense in the world to me, right? If we are seeing foreign central bank selling of U.S. treasuries, they're taking dollars in return and they're going to go do something with those because they don't want to be standing there left holding the bag with the dollars, right? So it seems like that's the flow that we saw last year. And now I feel like, you know, the flow, nothing has changed with that scenario for central banks to want to replace the treasuries on their balance sheet with gold, right? That scenario yeah. is still alive and kicking. So I think that I agree with you that gold is going to hold its value as it has been, in my opinion. I mean, gold has done fine. Um, while you try not to tag yourself to your kind of gold P&L, you know, for me, it's yeah. much more of a, uh, you know, monetary insurance type of play than a, than a trade, yeah. right? It's not, it's not the kind of trade that I, I generally put on and I'm not in it at the moment, but um, actually I am still in it at the moment. That's not fair to say as a trade, but um, either way, I think it's going to hang in there just fine. I think the downside is limited, especially if rates peaked and the demand seems fine. If we, if we get pickup in physical demand, God forbid out of India, Man, that would be tremendous. So we'll see what happens. Well, that gives a great flavor of why and, and, and how thankful we are that you'll take the time after the World Outlook Conference for the attendees there to be able to review all of these markets. And so if you go to the World Outlook Conference, be assured 
Tony and I will be doing a special exclusive Zoom after that, and we'll address these things. It's a few weeks out, you know, we'll give it a, a few weeks, and then we'll come back and we'll review these markets. So again, the World Outlook Conference, we'll get Tony back out here live uh, next year. So we're looking forward to that already. Uh, and by the way, his performance last year, his, his presentation, it's a better way of putting it, uh, was incredibly popular. You know, we got all the feedback. We have, we do it officially. We get surveys, that kind of stuff. Incredibly popular for good reason, as you can tell just from our chat here. But in the meantime, I'm going to put this up uh, and we'll send it out in our email blast, in our social media, where to get a hold of them. But it's TG Macro, you know, and it's the Daily Navigator, you know, which is, which is great stuff. Just great stuff. And by the way, Tony, I always, and I give you credit for it, but I always take a couple of those quotes that you, you you include you know at the end which you know as you say your education i love it uh as i say uh, great stuff and uh, really know how much we appreciate you finding time today oh mike thanks so much and i just wanted to tell you how you know i'm i'm so disappointed that i'm not able to be at the world outlook conference i had a tremendous experience at it last year and i didn't want to miss it but i'm hoping that we can recontinue a string starting next year um, there should be nothing in the way of it, and we should be good to go. I can't wait to come back. And with that, I'm going to make sure that I put forth, you know, a little bit of extra elbow grease into whatever presentation we are going to give after that so that at least I can make a hopefully good showing after the fact and uh, save face somehow. Oh, no, you don't need to do that. But brilliant last year. Thank you for taking the time as always. Thanks so much, Mike. I love coming on the show. You're the absolute best.